So, Mark. Uh, yes? I watched this week's movie on a full-screen DVD that I bought for a dollar at a record store. I... That tracks, honestly. <laughs> but it's agonizing for me because, like, I get to the point where I'm like, you know what, fine. I don't want to deal with commercials on TNT, so I will just watch this on a DVD, even though it'll look bad. And then I put it in, and it says, this movie has been modified from its original version. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We're not <laughs> supposed to live like this. <laughs> we have moved beyond this. My screen has been formatted to fit this movie. We don't need to go the other way around. Wow. The future we live in. <laughs> so, in watching it on the DVD, uh, I was treated to a delightful trailer package from 2006. I also want to note, I did not have a higher def option easily available, because this was not released on Blu-ray until 2021. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I kind of miss trailers before home video. That is I something streaming has stolen from us. I frequently, and my fiance knows this, will like insist on letting them play when I put a disc in and trying to figure out what the movies are as quickly as possible. So what were some of the highlights on this reel? You did text me about one that, of course, holds a dear place in this podcast heart because we covered it like three weeks ago. Yeah, the number one trailer on this was Over the Hedge. Of course. It led off with that. Um, and this movie was produced by DreamWorks, so that makes sense. Number two, Failure to Launch. That is quite a whiplash. Yeah. I gotta say, Failure to Launch had a good trailer. It looked kind of good. That's one where it's just like a guy who lives with his mom. Yes, but it's Matthew McConaughey and his mom is Kathy Bates. Yeah, but Kathy Bates was also in Valentine's Day, so... That's true. Take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah, I, like I said, I've heard bad things about that movie, but it was a good trailer. I was impressed. All right, number three was a trailer for season two of Laguna Beach. Oh my god. This is... a unbelievable <laughs> it's the most 2006 dvd i've ever seen hit after hit and number four was a trailer for the like mtv original movie all you've got which is like if bring it on were about intense volleyball girls i think i don't know i didn't watch the movie i just saw this trailer that sounds made up it really seemed made up <laughs> Though, if it is anything like Bring It On, I would definitely watch it. Yeah, I think it wasn't. <laughs> I think it, it oh, was darn. not giving off <laughs> the whimsy and inventiveness <laughs> of Bring It On. I wonder if shame. this was a producer situation. They made the movie to fail. But it just, that trailer package just really settled me into 2006. Like, we got a late independent DreamWorks animation movie, a Matthew McConaughey rom-com, season two of Laguna Beach, and an MTV original movie. Honestly, though, having that context set, though, really, like, it's so important to get yourself in the right headspace for a movie. Because, like, sometimes if you're not there yet, if you don't really know what's going on around it, you might not, like, really be able to, like, meet the movie on its terms. It did a lot to, like, place me in, like, all right, this is the environment that this movie is coming out in. And so then I just, like, had 2006 movies on the brain the whole time. So, like, you know, uh, when Channing Tatum says, like, I think it's him. Like, you know, some people are born great, and some people have greatness thrust upon them. I was like, right, Night at the Museum. It came out this same year. Laguna Beach is the one that was a reality show, right? It certainly seemed that way from the season two trailer that I watched. I have seen nothing more of Laguna Beach. And again, I was playing this guessing game trying to figure him out. Obviously, I got over the hedge. I got failure to launch. 
Laguna Beach, I could not figure out. And in ret- at the end, I was like, oh, of course, they said Laguna Beach like five times. Having pulled up the Wikipedia page for Laguna Beach, the real Orange County. Now, let's all remember, this predates the Real Housewives of Orange County, which no, was this the was... first Real Housewives series. It was like trading on the popularity of the OC. Oh, right. Yeah. And so it is a reality show about high school girls. And I... It's like the hills for Orange County. Was about to say, this show has produced several spinoffs, most notably The Hills, which chronicled Lauren Conrad's personal and professional life after moving to L.A. I didn't realize that was the sequence. Lauren Conrad started as a Laguna Beach person. Also, opening theme, Come Clean by Hilary Duff. Yes! (laughs) 2006! (laughs) Well, that's 2004. That's early. Oh my goodness. Anyway, in the spirit of trailers that just take you back, Mark, I was wondering, like, is there an example of a movie that you know pretty much only from its trailer in front of a home video thing you watched a bunch growing up? As a kid, most of the movies I watched when physical media still existed were kids' movies. You might be shocked to learn. What? As such, the one that stands out to me the most is Disney's Home on the Range, which I'm not <laughs> convinced is a real movie to this day. That is the last traditionally animated Disney movie, with the exception of The Princess and the Frog. That movie, the trailer looked so bad, I couldn't tell you anything about it. And I watched that trailer when I was of the age that would I, I would have watched Home on the Range and could tell this will be a bad movie. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like, in that window, I was still watching the Sunday Night Wonderful World of Disney movie a lot. And, like, I never had it. And I, I saw most of, almost all of the Disney movies as they came out. And I kind of never really had in my head that I was going to see Home on the Range. I will one day because I'm going to watch every Disney animated feature. But that'll be a dark day. Yeah, I know it's about cows. Um, Mark, I'm dropping That's the it. poster in the chat for you. Because I think you should see the the tagline for Home on the Range. Mark, will you will you read that tagline for us? Audience, I hate to inform you that the podcast is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can it no says longer... on the top, it's from the studio that brought you The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, so that seems promising. I can no longer, in good conscience, tell you about movies as a concept. <laughs> they have been ruined by this poster, where the tagline is, Bust a Moo. With two cow horns coming through. Yeah, it's time to bust a moo. I'm very disappointed in life right now. What a dark day. (laughs) (laughs) So my answer, like the big one that I think of for this, is actually also from a Disney movie, but from a live action Disney movie. As we discussed three years ago on this podcast, uh, I love the film Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. I mean, I did know we covered that on the podcast. But I do think that's a pretty lukewarm taste enjoying that film. You might not remember the conversation because I'm currently underselling how hard I was into Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, like I, yes. I oh, was right. deep. Ah, My favorite yes. pirate score is Pirates 3. <laughs> anyway, this is, by the way, is the most like trailer that stuck in my head. Not the commercial from the front of a home video thing that stuck in my head. That would be a different answer. But trailer is in front of the home video release of Curse of the Black Pearl is a trailer for the Viggo Mortensen film Hidalgo. Oh, uh, I've seen that. You've seen Hidalgo? 
I watched it. I could tell you zero things about it, except that's where I learned that Hidalgo is also the name of a state in Mexico. I know it has a very orange color palette, and Viggo Mortensen rides a horse, and I know from a book I read about Disney at the time that it lost a lot of money. Uh, he also became BFFs with his horse on that one, too, I think. Oh, that's nice. Viggo Mortensen, a guy that likes horses. Because wasn't that, like, fresh off of Lord of the Rings? Was that his first thing after Lord of the Rings? I don't know if it's the first thing he appeared in, but it was, like, kind of, it's like the Viggo Mortensen star vehicle post-Lord of the Rings. It's funny, I feel like he takes such, such like, a sharp turn from, like, that and, like, Lord of the Rings, like, Lord of the Rings and Hidalgo into, like, Eastern Promises. Yeah, and then he ends up at Green Book. Oh, no. (laughs) He takes a pizza, and he folds it in half, and then he shoves the whole thing down his gullet. Ugh. Disgusting. What is that movie about? (laughs) It's about the Green Book. Driving around, it's it's based on a true friendship. No, I meant Hidalgo. I did not want to engage on Green Book. Um, according to the top line on Wikipedia, it is based on the the legend of the American distance rider Frank Hopkins and his Mustang Hidalgo. It recounts Hopkins racing his horse in Arabia in 1891 against Bedouins riding pure-blooded Arabian horses. That sounds awful. I don't know why I have seen that. From the writer of Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. I didn't like st- Spirit that much. What okay, actually, prompted the most interesting to... thing about this is that it's directed by Joe Johnston. Why did I watch this? Were you a big Joe Johnston head? You like yeah, that's couldn't get enough it. of October Sky. I remember. I remember. Maybe it's one of those movies because I remember seeing some of it. It was one of those movies that used to come on sometimes, like TNT or TBS. Like, and I remember. I think I watched the end a few times just because I always just was flipping through and I was like, "Oh, it's Viggo Mortensen and a horse." Let's. Check it out. I mean, the real answer is probably because of Suzanne. There's a 40% chance I would watch this movie and declare it a masterpiece. I don't think it was. It's honestly, (laughs) I'm realizing now, it is one of the earlier movies where I understood the concept that a movie can be bad. Yeah, I feel like as a kid, you mostly just have a sense of like, I'm bored by this, but I assume it's good and I'm just like too young and dumb to figure it out. Yeah. And... It's still in that transition period where just watching a movie is fun enough that a movie can't be bad. Yeah. Mm, Hidalgo, not on Disney+. Plus. What year did Hidalgo come out? I don't know, like 2004. 2004. It is streaming on Hulu and Paramount+. And Hoopla! I love Hoopla. I don't even know if it needs to be one of your free rentals on Hoopla. (laughs) It technically has some sort of cost. That cost is too high. Caleb, are there any things, like, any, like, movie trailers or anything that latched into your head, but you don't actually know that much beyond them? You know, that's a that's a good, um, good, good question, because I think, you know, growing up, of course, there's all those animated ones that I just have memories of that might be, like, Balto 2, or even just Balto, <laughs> sure. or, like... Oh, I saw Balto I think, in theaters. Did you really? Oh, yeah. And then there's, like, Lion King 2, I think I, I saw a couple times, like, on trailer, but what really comes to mind is it's not one particular movie but you know back when netflix used to send you the dvd my Mm -hmm. mom had that subscription she would always we'd always have the movie of the month and you know my mom always picked the worst movies so like we'd like put it in order like okay this is my brother's pick this is my pick this is my mom's and whenever it was her pick it was like oh my god like what is this terrible movie so it wasn't that it was like 
a romantic drama that you didn't care about. It was like a truly bad movie. It was usually some sort of artsy movie that my mom was like, oh, I, this looks like it could be good. And inevitably she hated it. Inevitably. Inevitably it was not good. And and it was usually too dark for her. But always beforehand, there were- Your the- mom just like kept renting the seventh seal month after month. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, by 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 many other names. Um, but yeah, but, but I, I distinctly remember like there would always be these like because those are the kind of movies she would get. The previews were always be for these other like kind of art house movies or foreign films. There was always foreign films, and I I distinctly remember this one that I can't remember if it's like French or Arabic. So it makes me think it was set maybe in Algeria. I don't know. And it was like this. Oh my god, I'm remembering, and like, I'm just getting flashes, but it's just, it was always these, like, foreign films that, like, kind of looked good, but I knew we would never get, and probably, like, we would never enjoy. And then Netflix just opened up their streaming service, and we didn't have to sit through it anymore. I really, it probably was one of those, which was, like, the last time I ever saw, like, a DVD preview. When I was growing up, we were pretty, we were early on board the Netflix train, and one time, my sister's friend came over, and they were adding movies to our Netflix queue. This is Netflix Instant or like Quickster no, DVD delivery? No, this is like DVD delivery. Back before the concept of streaming movies online was really a thing. You like how I just slipped Quickster in there? Like we all agreed to call it that when Netflix said so? <laughs> <laughs> and he changed the order and like added movies to the queue. And my dad to this day <laughs> has not forgiven him. It has probably been 20 years, and my dad will still bring this up, because we were getting the shittiest movies in the mail for months. I can't remember. I'm sure they were... Graham's taste in movies is notoriously terrible. His taste in TV shows is better, but... I mean, it was probably like Paranormal Activity and these other terrible horror movies that my parents wouldn't like. Paranormal Activity is bad. I've never seen it. I fell asleep. I was so unscared that I fell asleep and started snoring and everyone got mad at me. (laughs) Great. I don't think I could ever do that. Fall asleep asleep in a movie or in paranormal activity? In paranormal activity. I'm such a scaredy cat. I I could fall asleep in a movie, maybe. But paranormal activity, I'm too too much of a scaredy cat. Caleb, can we we lure you into talking about horror movies with us? Because we keep trying to get people and we're usually able to like trick them in like twice and then they say no. Like they'll stop doing it with us. You know, I I would do it because I want to like horror movies. And like for certain, like I... I can get by with certain suspense movies. Like I can, I can do like a quiet place easy, even because it's not that scary. You know what I mean? I can do alien. I can do things like that. But like, once you start getting like ghost girls, that, 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 that's usually a bit too far, but I want to watch like it comes at night or it follows or the Babadook because I know they're supposed to be these great movies, but I, I don't know. No, I though I do. I do like us and I do like um, us rules. Yeah. Us is such a good movie. And so is of course the, the one before that. Um, get out, get out. Like, like we got so, Nope coming this year. His new movie. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I would also recommend going back to the classics. The 70s and 80s The 70s and movies. 80s are so good. I, the Thing is next on my list. I oh, would, that movie rules. Yeah. Do you have a 4K player, Caleb? I would lend it to you. Um, I have a PS4 Pro. Does that have 4K? Yes, the Pro does. 
then then I might take you up on that because yeah. it's been because every time I, I get ready to watch it, it's not on something. Whenever I'm doing other stuff, it's on a service. So honestly, if you're ever trying to watch something, it's worth texting me. <laughs> That's good to know. I, I got a I got a plug. Yeah. Um. All oh right. We God. actually had a listener request for it follows. So I promise you, I will circle around to you on that. But we should probably talk about a movie that is not a horror movie unless you are really particular about getting accents right it was scary (laughs) oh my god i yeah i'm very excited to dive into the accent work on this film welcome to we love the love a hollywood romance podcast i'm mark and i'm gay and i'm will and i'm a ginger this is an investigative podcast dedicated to examining the least important issue facing the world today what the heck is that accent that she's doing and is she doing an accent unclear also does hollywood romance actually make any sense did she grow up in a convent before the start of this movie? No, she was on like television doing never sketch comedy. Intera- not Amanda Bynes, the character, because it seems that she has never interacted with a man in her life. And also, are these people actually dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation, or if it's Shakespeare and it's just downright bananas. We will dig in and see what's there. And this week... We are joined by our friend, our soccer expert, our Shakespeare expert, Caleb Lewis, to talk to us about the 2006 movie, She's the Man. Hey, everybody. Yeah, no, everybody. Yeah, I guess everybody. Uh, I'm happy to be back. On the accent work, I was looking through the credits, and I saw that there was a dialect coach. And I was like, who no! is she coaching? Who, who, <laughs> who was being coached? And I, I assumed real quick, just like, oh, it had to have been the British soccer coach. But I remembered, no, he's actually a British guy who used to be a, a soccer right. player. Vinnie he was Jones. a soccer player in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. So I was like, then I don't know at all. I mean, maybe there's somebody else who's British who's trying to do an American accent, because I know it's not Amanda Bynes. Wow. But also, as far as, like, some other, like, credentials for me, I've been in Twelfth Night, like, Our own Duke three Orsino. times. Yeah, I, yeah, I was, I was Duke Orsino, which, honestly, the fact that they just named him Duke Orsino. Um, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I think it's a great choice, honestly. I appreciate the boldness. I think that was a good choice. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciated it. They were just like, you know what, this works. For, for a high school soccer player, just name him Duke. Yeah, and here we and go. played by Channing Tatum. His real name is Channing Tatum. Duke Orsino does not seem that fake. Channing Tatum, by the way, this is year two of him being in movies. Right. I was about to ask because I remember, because I, I, was his first movie Coach Carter? Yes. Great movie. I have not seen it. It's it's fantastic. But he's like, he's kind of in it. Cause he was a model before this, wasn't he? Yeah. And of course, famously, he was a dancer at a strip club in Tampa. <laughs> That's real. Channing Tatum, a proud graduate of the United States Catholic school system, uh, and then he promptly became a a dancer. I was you you. I mean, unfortunately, the pod the the podcast audience could not have seen my face because I was like, "Wait a second, is this real?" Because I just assumed Magic Mike is based on his experiences. It's not. No, it 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 is is inspired by his experience. It's not like this happened to me, but it's like it's inspired. He helped with crafting the story of that based on his time there. Yeah. I literally had absolutely no idea. Yeah. He is such an interesting... I don't know. He's, he's one so of those... cool. And then he spent eight years trying to be Gambit. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I, I was talking to Melissa, like, as I watched this, because I didn't realize Channing Tatum was in it. I, or at least I'd forgotten, because I'd seen this movie before long ago. And when I saw him, I was like, hey, Channing Tatum. I was like, what's he been up to? What happened to that Not Gambit being Gambit show? is yeah. what he's been up to. 
<laughs> that dude, go back. If you can find pictures of Channing Tatum at like the 2016 Golden Globes, he's got this bizarre hairdo. And it's because he was growing out gambit hair. Like, that's how ready he was to go on that. I I really feel for him. Because it, it sounds like he was really excited. But it just... Honestly, I would have loved to hear his, like, Creole accent. That's... Or Cajun accent. That would have been really interesting. But, like, you know, if somebody, like, who's clearly passionate about it. Um, and then it just doesn't work out. That's... I feel. I feel for him. Yeah. And the project always sounded interesting. Like, it went through five different versions. And, like, Doug Lyman was going to do it for a while. Gore Verbinski was attached for like a year. Like a lot of a lot of people who are kind of hit or miss, but when they hit, they're interesting. The last version of it was described as an R-rated rom-com starring Gambit, which I would watch the heck out of. But that sounds they, fascinating. They just like never managed to put all the pieces together. And then Fox got sold to Disney. And Disney was like, of course we're not making this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the MCU? Having not seen Venom and only knowing it through Twitter memes, is that not just Venom? So I think Sony would have made this movie. But Sony wishes that they had a secondary character as good as Gambit. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think the issue thing, for me, I think Gambit, I mean, look, I haven't read the comics maybe as much as as, as you have. But like sometimes there are characters who are better as supporting characters. That when you make them a lead people don't know what to do with them you know what i mean and i wonder if gambit's like that it's like he's best as somebody who's a a, a key supporter you know what i mean so i think you're generally right like the best gambit recently has been there was a a series called mr and mrs x where gambit and rogue got married and went on space adventures (laughs) but i will say what i like about gambit on his own is that is exactly what you're describing like he he is just kind of like a little seasoning that you throw in a little cajun seasoning that you throw in. <laughs> and then when he is on his own, when he gets like a miniseries or a solo book, all the Gambit lore gets immediately bizarre. Where like New Orleans is this city of like warring thief and assassin guilds. And Gambit's from the Thieves Guild and he's fighting the assassins. It's so weird. And like, yeah, I would watch that. It's like Dylan Dog. My thought when you were explaining like sometimes it doesn't work if side characters are pulled forward was just ah yes for every fraser there is a joey (laughs) (laughs) that is just a good catchphrase yeah i mean i think honestly for every fraser there are four joeys but also i love fraser (laughs) okay so she's the man (laughs) yeah so caleb you had seen she's the man before i had not had you mark yes but so long ago that the only things that stuck I remembered watching it were Amanda Bynes was in it. And then at one point they talk about tampons. What is your like Amanda Bynes relationship? Were you watching the Amanda show or something like that? Oh yeah. Big all that Amanda show fan. I don't think I like wasn't seeking out her movies, but what's the movie called? Like Big Fat Liar? Big Fat Liar. The guy who played Malcolm in the Middle and Amanda Bynes fighting Paul Giamatti for creative control over a screenplay. You have described this movie to me more than once. <laughs> oh, this is really ringing a bell. Um, Let me confirm. Yes, Big Fat Liar starring Frankie Muniz, Paul Giamatti, and Amanda Bynes. Yeah. Yeah, you did tell me about this. It's like really short, right? Like I should watch it. <laughs> it is 88 minutes long. All right, that's what I'm talking about. 
I might watch that tonight. And so I like knew about all that, but I wasn't seeking out other movies that she was in. And then, of course, I saw her in Easy A and said, this is your best movie role yet. And that's her final screen appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She really went out on a high in terms of performances. Yeah, but I mean, like, when Easy A was going on, she wasn't planning on, like, going out after that. I know. Like, yeah. She shot a decent chunk of Hall Pass, the Farrelly Brothers movie, before she had to drop out. And actually, they cast Alexandra Daddario in her place. Oh, those are not the same kind of performer. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have not seen Hall Pass. But yeah, there are a couple things around the time of Easy A where she like starts shooting or gets cast in something and then has to drop out. And you know, we don't need to like go into the details of like Amanda Bynes' like struggles with substance abuse and things like that, but it's a bummer because there was nobody else like her in movies. No, I don't think there's been anyone like her at all. I mean, I really just think about even just thinking about earlier just on her time on it's nickelodeon right that all that yeah. and the man so yeah just, like i mean in a way like i can remember it as like snl for kids in a way that's I exactly mean, like, what it was yeah it was so good and i'm not I, i'm i was a cartoon network kid i almost exclusively watched cartoon network but i distinctly remember watching those shows you know and watching her and just really enjoying it and and it i don't know there's not quite shows like that i maybe i mean i'm not a kid you know anymore so i don't really know what what they're watching but it doesn't feel like that's there and i it doesn't it feels like there has been an actor like her since the carrying that comedy and that sketch. Comedy they re- they that. actually rebooted all that, but I don't know if there is another child actor that you could just be like, here is your sketch comedy show. Yeah. Like, and I don't know like who are like the Disney channel stars of today. Like I, I don't know that, but yeah, I mean, part of it is like we grew up in this like kind of glorious age of cable television, which I only sort of know about because I didn't have cable where it had, like, just been fully deregulated by the Reagan administration. So you could, like, sell toys constantly. And so there was, like, this... It was very crass to a certain extent. Like, when you think about shows like Supermarket Sweep, or, like, you know, the the toy store version of it that Nickelodeon was running. But there was also just kind of, like, this punk 90s kid vibe to so much of what we were watching, where it was, like, screw grown-ups, we're gonna slime them and then put on our own sketch shows. I... We'll never forget that Rocco's Modern Life was marketed as a children's show. And in the first episode, he goes basically to see a proctologist named Dr. Ben Dova. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what we grew up on, not Paw Patrol. I know Paw Patrol's aimed at a younger audience. Yes. That, there is a big difference between, like, four and ten-year-olds. You know, it's funny. Last time I was on the show, we were talking about 13 going on 30 and a how, you know, in in the pitches when they're trying to repitch the magazine, there, there's that one. It's essentially like, you know, death by magazine, like this overdose on magazine. And it felt yeah. very like zeitgeist. And I like this kind of reminds me of that, the kind of way we're talking about, like, there is this kind of edge to like 90s, really much everything. But even the kids shows, it goes to that. And like, I mean, I was talking to somebody recently about... um Legends of the Hidden Temple, like how that show, you know, in a way, I don't know how much that show gets made today. That sort of. Uh, well, another show that they have brought back. Right. <laughs> Did they really see? I'm really out of it. They also made the Star Wars version on YouTube. No. Starring way. Jar Jar Binks. Oh, no. Called like Legends of the Jedi Temple or something like that. Oh, no. Uh, voiced by D, uh, the uh, Olmec is voiced by uh, D. Bradley Baker, who famously, oh really? Yeah, yeah. He who who famously uh, voices all of the clones and all of the um, 
TV uh, and like the animated stuff. So he is also Daffy Duck in Space Jam. <laughs> is he really? <laughs> yes, he is. So yeah, no, it's just it's just funny to think about about that about like about how I don't know of this time it was. I mean, granted, like this is of course our childhood, so I think we we remember it very fondly. But just how like kind of on the edge of our our seats and on the edge of everything and how almost transgressive it almost all felt at the time. Yeah. Like it was really cool. Sort of circling back to to she's the man. I think representative of that is the fact that Amanda Bynes saw Channing Tatum and decided he had to be in the movie and really fought for him based on his appearance in a Mountain Dew commercial. And like, what is more of that era we're talking about than Mountain Dew is cool? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm actually surprised that in a like, I, I must be gamers who keep Mountain Dew going and taco bell because i i rarely drink it anymore but i remember when i was that age it was all about like code red and blackout you know what i mean i think i have not drunk mountain dew since i was 13 (laughs) i do have to say taco bell surprisingly good i had it recently when it was the only thing on a road trip and i thought the crunch wrap supreme was a wonderful lunch but mountain dew will not will not be returning to that uh, but returning to She's the Man. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> There's so much to talk about with this movie, but yeah. and some of it's tangential. Like, you know, I wanted to talk about Channing Tatum coming into this because, Mark, it's, I don't think we've ever talked about him properly. And he's kind of been out for the last couple of years, like you were saying, Caleb, in part because he spent so long trying to make Gambit. And uh, he's just coming back, like, this early in 2022, as we're talking. He's got Dog, the movie about the guy who wants to get back to his place in the army, and to do it, he has to drive a dog across the country. You know, how the U.S. Army works. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's got uh, The Lost City, the, like, Romancing the Stone remake with him and Sandra Bullock. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, looks pretty fun. Well, he's he's one of those actors that, like, I don't know, every time I see him, I enjoy him. And I don't know if he he's ever really transformative. I mean, uh, maybe I'm being unfair because I haven't seen his entire filmography, but I just... I think there's kind of a certain ease there. And you can see it in this film, too. There's, like, somebody, I think, like, described his acting in this as understated. Um, I, I think he is, but it, part of it is just, like, he knows how to exist on camera in a way that I think is hard to get down a lot of the times. So, like, he moves through a frame and just, like, can position himself really well. In part, it's just he's a big dude. Yeah. Even in this where he's a lot skinnier. Like, now he's kind of a beefy guy. But the guy just looks good on camera. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is in this, there's like a sinuousness to him, like an agileness to him that really does work. There's almost like this comfort in his body. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it, but it does make him fascinating to watch. And like, he's really funny. Like, I, I remember watching him in Twenty One Jump Street, and I just think he's a really funny guy. And and uh, I, whenever he gets to exercise that muscle, I'm here for it. Yeah, he's great. I think that it's it was very weird seeing him live. Like, he's still kind of beefy, but he is not bulked up mm-hmm. as of this movie. Well, he's 26 at the time of this filming of this, isn't he? Wait, Yes, really? he is not a high schooler. There were, they, none of them look like high schoolers. Which makes Illyria even more confusing as a school, because you're like, okay, I guess this is one of those, like, intense, like, sports boarding schools like they have in Florida, mm. where kids are just, like, training all the time. And they, like, take one math class every three weeks so they can call it a school. (laughs) But when she first is, like, going to school and it's, like, it's set up like a college and they have dorms, you're like, 
Is she going to fake being in college to play against her high school team? Everyone here looks old and set up like a university. You don't even notice because everyone is so old that for some reason her best friend is a grown adult who has a job at a hair salon? Yeah. Like, she's a high schooler and her best friend is Paul, who, I mean, looks exactly like a contestant from the gay episode in particular of MTV's Next. I mean, good for Next for having a gay episode. Yes. But also, I think it honestly was regressive for the gay rights movement, (laughs) because I watch it and I'm like, hmm, do gays deserve rights? Maybe not. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It's so bad, Will. You have to watch it. Now, I'm not familiar with Next. Uh... I do have to say, real quick, the bleach blonde faux hawk look was a terrible era in the gay community. <laughs> oh, no. So, Caleb, the premise of Next is there is a, the main person, and they drive in the Next bus, which has three contestants on it. And the first contestant comes off the bus. So, like, to be clear, Caleb, like, the person who the episode is about is, like, sitting at a table or something. Yeah, at the bus pulls in a up restaurant. So mm. then the bus pulls up. The person gets off the bus. Three fun facts about them show up on screen. Then they go inside on have a date. And they get paid for however long the date is. But at any moment on the date, the person who the episode is centered around can say next. And wow. they have to immediately leave and the next person gets off the bus and it is they will do the dumbest thing it's like "Mm, this person didn't put their napkin on their lap fast enough next oh no (laughs) i need to watch this did people ever fight oh my god of course they did it's (laughs) mtv in the mid-2000s that is amazing because to me the only kind of like reality i wasn't much for mtv but there's only reality show i remember from that time is um is it Remake Me? Remake? It's the one where it was always like, I'm a nerd at school, but I want to be popular. Or like, you know, I need to have a great, like, Sweet 16. And they would come and they'd like, like, give them makeovers, like, take them to training camps or whatnot. And they'd come back and they'd be like, made over. Maybe it's makeover. Made over? Make me over? I don't know. Does that ring a bell for either of you? Make me just... over sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. I It sounds familiar, but I did not watch it. Even okay. though I was... A uh, very big fan of these TV shows, as I've t- discussed before. Flavor of Love, my number one forever. <laughs> a terrible show. Again, the absolute worst. Everyone should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, about... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just still just so tickled by Flavor of Love. Just Caleb, even as a we concept. have discussed Flavor of Love on so many episodes of this podcast. Have you really? <laughs> I love it so much, Caleb. Oh my god. Well, I'll, I'll have to do some 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 looking at it that tonight. I mean, if you really want to just turn off your brain, turn on Flavor of Love. Hey, I, I do like a good like brain turn off. You know, after a long day's hard work, I want nothing more than just sit down and shut everything down. Zero thoughts for the next hour. No, speaking of like, just kind of going back a little bit to Channing Tatum, like I think because me in that first scene where we see him, you you get to look at their room, and and again, it took me no no, and I remember what I was gonna say, and it was this about the age when the cheerleaders come out for the big game at the end. That was the moment where Melissa was like, no, no, they're the those cheerleaders are not high schoolers. They they are way too old to be here. Yeah, those cheerleaders are 
absolutely not high schoolers. They look like a professional like football team's cheerleading. It, they really do. And I also yeah. don't know any high school. Granted, I didn't go to like a private high school like this where they would be allowed to wear that. Yeah, I cannot imagine a high school team that would be dressed like that. But the director is coming off of a direct-to-DVD teen sex comedy. So, what 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 was it? It's called Who's Your Daddy. <laughs> so, some of his sensibilities from that might be coming into this. This movie is directed by Andy Fickman, who mostly makes kind of junk comedies. His last one was that John Cena kid firefighter movie playing with fire oh, where like man. the fire station adopts some kids or something that sounds i want to watch that but it also sounds terrible mark you've definitely seen the trailer for that because it was 2019 but you may have blocked it out probably the era of just like large men and children in movies is so weird but that's like the tail end of it that's 2019 i know but it lasted for so long the pacifier obviously stands out as number one. I think that's the only one that I've seen. It is one that I desperately want us to cover on this podcast. What was the one with The Rock? I mean, they're not tiny kids, but they're kids. Tooth Fairy. The Rock is in The Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy. Okay. Yeah. He's also, I mean, he does a bunch of those because he's also in uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. He's in, I think he's in Race to Witch Mountain, right? That's the one. That's the one I think I was thinking of because I think I also saw that on somebody's filmography when I was looking through this. Might have been the cinematographer. But didn't didn't Fickman also do um, Paul Blart two? He did Paul Blart two, yes, not Paul Blart one. And and I was looking at his filmography, and he's also did he's working on the crew that NASCAR one, also with James. Um, I cannot think of his name, but Kevin James. Kevin James, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's part of like that circle of dudes. Fascinating. So she's the man. Did kind of okay. It's got a nice rom com pedigree. It's. From the right, Karen McCullough Lutz and Kirsten Smith, who also wrote 10 Things I Hate About You and Legally Blonde. But they also wrote Ella Enchanted and The Ugly Truth. And The Ugly Truth is a truly dreadful movie. 10 Things I Hate About You, another Shakespeare. Another Shakespeare adaptation. Yep. But the movie, it made $33 million in North America against a $25 million budget. So, like, it did fine in a period where it was okay to do fine. It opened March 17th, 2006, in fourth place behind V for Vendetta, oh. the aforementioned failure to launch. And Disney's Shaggy Dog remake. (laughs) Oh, wow. Talk about a movie that existed only in trailers. The weirder one to me than the Shaggy Dog is Nine Lives, which is the movie where businessman Kevin Spacey gets turned into a cat. Wait, this is a movie? That also is a movie that was made, isn't it? Yeah. Caleb, I'm going to send you the poster for that one. Oh, no. Though, like, I remember Cats vs. Dogs growing up, that movie. That was a bad movie. That was a terrible movie. A lot of movies called Nine Lives. Wait, did you say did you say Kevin Spacey? Yes, I said Kevin Spacey. He is somebody who I mean, he was in K-Pax, but then he was also in like the uh, Superman Re- Re- Returns, right? Superman Returns. He played Lex Luthor. He 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 like goes from like strange kind of really great indie, you know, thing like that like K-Pax and and, and um, American no, American American Dream. He's an American Beauty. American Beauty. That's the one I'm thinking. American Beauty. American Dreams is that like American Idol parody. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so he he he'll, he'll do those and then he'll do something like Nine Lives? Like Um yeah, Mark, I'm going to need you to read this tagline too. Uh god. <clears throat> so this is Nine Lives. The poster is a, a grumpy-looking cat holding a red pen and a piece of paper. The piece of paper has the cast on it 
and it says me with an arrow pointing to a picture of Kevin Spacey. And, and mar- the, the tagline mark. Tagline is his life just got put on pause. Spelled P A W S, of course. <sighs> well, thanks for that, Mark. Uh, <laughs> this movie came out in 2016. Hi. Wow. This movie came out a year before <laughs> the Kevin Spacey story broke. Oh wow. Oof. Oh no. That is all very unfortunate, and like. Wow, I, I'm I'm just in shock that it was that. I kind of assumed that this movie came out like early 2010s, late aughts maybe, but 2016's rather late. It's very weird. I can't explain any of it. I can't explain it. Uh, <laughs> how did we... Um, I got one last thing to talk about with, before we get into the romance. Yes, please. Uh, we've been talking for a while, a lot of good stuff. Um, but of course, the Teen Choice Awards. Oh, yes, please. Oh, yes. What did they win? Best Kiss. By the way, this is now two episodes we've done with Caleb where I had to edit the Wikipedia page of the movie we were talking about. Stop. <laughs> because I discovered that something was listed as a win for this movie, which they were actually only just nominated for. So I had to fix that. And that's why you always cross-check your Wikipedia pages. There you go. Um, so they won the Teen Choice Award for Choice Comedy and for Choice Breakout Actor for Channing Tatum. Okay. They were nominated for Choice Lip Lock. Of but course. lost to Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves for the Lake House. Okay. Ah, the teens love the Lake House, I guess. The teens sure do love a weird, boring movie <laughs> about sending letters to 2006. Well, speaking of how Hidalgo, I think the Lake House was one of those movies that I remember just kind of being on. So I'm wondering if that's what happened? I don't know. Although it'd have to be the movie the year it came out, not the year that it was like showing on TV. Then I don't know what to do. I don't know. Amanda Bynes did win the Kids' Choice Award for Favorite Female Movie Star this year. <laughs> that tracks. Yeah. Good this movie skews younger, I feel. Yeah, well, I mean, like, 60% of the movie is Amanda Bynes making weird faces at the camera. So, that really plays to the young audience. Oh, boy. Yeah, the mugging in this movie is very odd. <laughs> it's so extreme. It's always like, it's never one weird face at the camera. It's look at the camera... And shift rapidly between five or six different faces, <laughs> like like Jim Carrey in the mask. But that's just how dudes are, Will. We just like move our face and kind of vaguely talk with a southern accent. Usually just when saying your name. Yeah. Sebastian. Amanda Bynes and Andy Fickman did go to a mall and watch men walk around to get a sense of physicality. And I would love to know what mall this was. <laughs> If they went to Greenwood, South Carolina, that mall, that might explain some things. The, I, uh, we gotta start talking about the romance because we can get into the portrayal of men yeah, on I think her part, but my God. There's a lot of gender to talk about in this movie. There's a lot of Shakespeare to talk about, and I think we can do it best through the romance. Perfect. In that case, I guess so, I, we have the five points. What were you going to say, Mark? Sorry. He was going to introduce the five oh. points, you dumb dumb. Uh, I'm stepping all over your toes. Yeah. Caleb, every week we break down the romantic plot line into five points to keep us focused and on target, something we are really good at. 49 minutes into the episode, we are just <laughs> starting to get to the points. Caleb, in will you bring us a to romance point movie. one in a romantic it's movie? Like, it's one thing when this was face-off and we were like, yeah, we're stalling for our eight-minute romance discussion. <laughs> I would love to get us started because uh, I think I think part of the reason it took us so long is because it is just such a movie that we can, there's so much in here. But I will start with the very beginning. 
the lyrics to the opening song, there is no escape. And I bring that up. And I want to start here because if, you know, if we take that with what's kind of being shown to us that she's playing this so- beach soccer, she's a woman who gets what she wants. Ring introduced her as somebody who, who gets what she wants. Presumably that means men just going to the movie, knowing that it's rom-com, uh, just based on the lyrics that, she, you know, she's not afraid to do what she wants. And so much of the theme of this is she's kind of a guy's girl. She's a bit tomboyish, you know, and so much of that tension lies there. And so I think to me, that's where I, I think this starts is I think she comes very, very from a very strong, centered, authoritative place, which we find out quickly when she breaks up with her then boyfriend of the time because he insults something that matters to her. You're all excellent players, but girls aren't as fast as boys. What? Or strong or as athletic. <laughs> uh, this is not me talking. It's a scientific fact. Girls can't be boys. It's as simple as that. Okay, well, Justin, you're the team captain. What do you think about it? I think the coach said it all. <laughs> Yesterday, you told me that I was better than half the guys on your team. What? <laughs> <laughs> I never said that. What are you talking about? Why are you lying? Well, end of discussion. <laughs> Fine. End of relationship. Oh. Yeah, um, before we get into that, everybody, Right now, favorite track on this movie's soundtrack. Or favorite use of a song. Oh my god, there were some good ones. Hold on, I have to pull up the soundtrack. Because I know my answer. I'm going to have to go with Invincible by OK Go during the game. I think it was during the game when when uh, suddenly uh, she's on uh, on the field and like they're all just kicking butt. Then I think it, feel, it just looks really good. I'm a big fan of that. During one of the soccer games, they're playing Dirty Little Secret, which I dug. Oh, that's it. Both times they just dropped the All-American Rejects because they did Move Along and Dirty Little Secret (laughs) into the same movie. Well, Move Along was the credits song, right? Yeah, but it's still one movie, two All-American Rejects. I was on board. Mine is when she's like learning the dude mannerisms, that incredible montage where they're playing a rock cover of the Mary Tyler Moore Show theme. Oh my God, I forgot about that. We're running a music league, me and Nick, with some of our friends, where there's a category, and then everyone submits a song, and then we all vote on it. It creates a playlist, and we vote. And this week's theme is genre-bending covers. And I was just like, should I switch my song to Love is All Around by Joan Jett? (laughs) I did not. But... sure. I was close. I just knew it wouldn't get a lot of votes. But anyway, okay. Glad we took care of that. So, yes, Caleb, like you said, she pretty much immediately breaks up with her boyfriend, Justin, because when girls' soccer gets cut at the last minute due to lack of interest, he doesn't back her up on having the girls try out for the guys' team. So, if they cut the women's team, Title IX says that they'd have to be allowed to go out for the men's team, right? Yeah, that's why Liz Lemon got to play football. Right. Just curious. So they are they are committing a uh, violation of her civil rights. Yes. There's also just a thing of like, there's no way it would get that late. Like it's getting up to like tryouts and they're just finding <laughs> yeah. out that the team isn't going to go. Also, the funniest thing to me is they find out through the field schedule on a clipboard <laughs> instead of yeah. a conversation. Because they're all in uniform, too. So somehow 
They've been dispersed uniforms, given access to the locker room, and it's the moment they're stepping onto the field and the lacrosse, women's lacrosse, women's lacrosse team, right? Is there yeah. that they're like, sorry, no, you're not having a season. Also, like, lacrosse and soccer usually are not sports at the same time of year. That's right, isn't it? I, that didn't even cross my mind, but that's very right. I was spending a lot thinking about the logistics of the different schools in this movie. <laughs> like, how they are run, what their objectives are as educational institutions. I do. My favorite thing about the schools in them is that the first school, I forget what it's called. It's another Shakespeare name. Cornwall. Okay. So, not quite. But um, <laughs> I love that they talk about Illyria. Like, they refer to it as their rivalry game. It's a huge thing. And then when she gets to Illyria and she mentions, like, oh, the game against Cornwall. And they're like, we care about the game against Cornwall. Why? Like, those guys suck. And it's such a perfect reflection of a thing that is true at most schools. Which is, most schools who think they have a rivalry with another school, the other school does not know. <laughs> no, that's such a big, big thing. Because I feel like, you know, for, for a lot of them, if you keep winning, it doesn't feel like a rivalry anymore. It just feels like, uh, this is the game we beat them. Or just, like, they're not aware of the relationship. So, I grew up in the great state of Maryland. And at the time, Maryland was in the ACC. And if you asked people who Maryland's big rival was, they would have said Duke. <laughs> I don't think Caleb, Duke you're not from North Carolina, but you're from the South. Yeah. Who is Duke's rival? And why is it not Maryland? You know, I'm actually completely blanking, but I know for a fact it's not Maryland. I, yeah, it's UNC. Yeah, it's, oh, duh. It's UNC. Yeah. I, I really um, could not explain to you why Maryland would, would think that. Yeah, it's super weird. Anyway, Amanda Bynes plays Viola. Which honestly took me a second to remember that that was, that was her. Because I think they wait for a while to use her. Maybe they just keep saying Vi. And I was like, Vi? Like, what's going on here? And then when they finally used Viola out loud, I was like, okay, great. No, th- I'm seeing another I'm, I'm another one of the names that they're keeping. Vi- Viola, you know, Olivia, Sebastian. Duke. <laughs> Duke. I mean, the fact that they turned the title into into a name just really... I, I know I I've already it. said it, but I just absolutely adore it. They got lucky he was a Duke because you can't really go with the first name Count. <laughs> uh, what about Count Von Count? I guess that's a title too. I feel like they would have tried. They would have, or like King. King, they definitely would have kept. All right. So, yeah. So, she uh, she breaks up with Justin because he doesn't back her up. He's kind of a douchebag. And the other, like, romance thing that's going on is that her twin brother, Sebastian, who does look eerily like Amanda Bynes. Well, at first when she, okay. So, so you know, when she first showed up and, and like, after the kind of makeover into looking like a boy. I was like, no, 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 no. Because I was like, I'd already seen Sebastian in the movie. I was like, she doesn't look like him at all. But then but when, when he comes back later, I'm like, wait a second. I act, I see it now. I actually finally see it. I was like, kind of shocked. They wanted Jesse McCartney for that. Oh, really? But they couldn't make the scheduling work. Scheduling. That would have just made this movie even more 2006. Oh, truly, truly. Wait, who's the one who's saying I want candy? Wasn't that? Mandy Moore. No, I'm thinking of the the guy. There was oh, a guy there was a dude who, who said, uh, "Aaron Carter." Aaron yes. Carter. Okay, I'm, I'm mixing up. I'm mixing up my two. Okay. Um. But anyway, so uh, Sebastian has been dating this girl Monique, and Monique yells at Viola at some point because from the back they look the same when she's got a hood up. They have the same walk. They're twins, indistinguishable. Even though that's not how fraternal twins work, I don't think. That's it. If they have the same walk, 
that it convinces someone who spends a lot of time with Sebastian. She probably doesn't need to do some elaborate <laughs> new type of walk. <laughs> Honestly, that's actually such a good point. The thing I love about this movie, which I don't think is like a great movie, but it's like a pretty fun time, is that it is a fairly faithful adaptation of Twelfth Night. <laughs> it, it really is, surprisingly. And it's funny to see those events and character dynamics transposed to something approximating the real world because it really throws into relief just how utterly silly and nonsensical it is in a way that like that's what shakespeare's comedies are that's what's fun about them yeah but i was talking to my fiance before i watched this and she was like you're gonna think it's fun because you know shakespeare and everybody else who watches it is like what is happening here because that's the thing is like if you look at Twelfth Night, in Shakespeare's time, all actors were men anyway. So it's easy to be like, okay, this guy who normally is pretending to be a woman, now he's just pretending to be a guy, a girl who's pretending to be a guy. It's easy. You know what I mean? But then suddenly when you move it to now, like, I don't know. It's, it, there's, there's different dynamics happening too, you know, in you the know, I never thought it. about, I never thought about all the like gender swapping within Shakespeare plays in that context. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and my understanding is that there was, you know, always like, a blonde wig and a like brunette wig. And so those were kind of two stock characters in them. But yeah, no, that uh, with all the gender swapping, I'm kind of curious to see, because there's this, actually there, uh, there was a 12th night that I think the globe did recently with um, Mark Rylance as Olivia. And he's brilliant in it. He's absolutely brilliant in it. And I wonder how much of that, sticks to conventions of the time because he does kind of go not into this falsetto but this higher register so i would i wonder if in in shakespeare's day if they would kind of go back into like a lower register i think granted it was generally the younger members of the troupe who would do it you know i think they were still generally boyish anyway so i, I wonder how much they would have to change or would change so it's curious i'm kind of curious to see how how, how differently it would read god i gotta see mark rylance play olivia in 12th night highly recommend that sounds amazing just doing his like ready player one voice. <laughs> wow, actually that is actually kind of very I, similar. I, I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And I think it's interesting to like see how we get there. I think kind of to my point of there is no escape, she gets what she wants. Like seeing that the team like she's not gonna get to play soccer, her brother, it turns out, is going to London for two weeks instead of going to school. Right. He is running away on the verge of starting at a new boarding school for his senior year of high school. <laughs> a new boarding school in town where he will be boarding. Yeah, that isn't that. I mean, okay, so they mentioned that like, okay, he's been kicked out of his old school. He seems like trouble, this one. Like he just run away to another country. <laughs> How does he pay for the plane tickets? Like maybe from like previous gigs he's got money? Yeah, maybe his band is it seems like his band is moderately successful. Yeah. Okay, that tracks. Because I'm my, my my explanation was just that, okay, between the divorced parents, he's got to have one or two, like, credit cards from them, since they both seem to have money that they just don't keep an eye on. I mean, I believe that, too. Yeah. But I think... These yeah. parents are bad. Oh, very bad. They don't know where either kid is. I do think it's really funny when her mom is just, like, openly delighted that the soccer team has been canned. Oh, my God. That's such a brilliant moment. So watching it, I was like, this woman seems so familiar. And I had to look it up. And that is the lead actress from Airplane. Oh. No. I did not recognize her. Wow. 
Mm -hmm. I thought she looked familiar, but I couldn't figure it out. Wow. So that's Julie Haggerty. That explains why I generally thought I thought she her her comedic timing, her presence. I thought it was yeah. brilliant. And her voice is really, I think, what I remembered more. So I think from there we kind of move towards our our second point. Yeah. Com- com- and as we move into like the weird gender swapping. Yeah, as we as we like really get into the meat and potatoes of this movie. The second point is uh kind of for number two. Uh, it's a pair of meat cutes. What what's your name? Sebastian Hastings. Duke Orsino. Mm. Oh, um, okay. 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 Um, this is Andrew and Toby. They live next door. Yeah, freshman dorms that away, Twiglet. Seriously, how old are you? I skipped a couple grades. <laughs> I'm brilliant. Shh. And this is kind of where this sort of strange love geometry begins, which is kind of a later point. But it, it, it this is kind of the seed that I'm, I'm just kind of laying laying the breadcrumb out for early. And that's there's kind of two parallel romances happening here because there's two people. There's Sebastian and Viola, who are one person, but two people in this odd way. And so this first meet cute is, of course, meeting Duke Orsino in the dorm room, which first I have to say, covered in Chelsea football club photos, famous people of the time, Didier Drogba, Frank Lampard. But surprisingly, a one there's one Metro Stars poster, which is an MLS team at the time, who now they're known as the Red Bulls for anybody who follows. Where do they play? Uh, New York. They're the New York Red Bulls, okay. though they actually play in New Jersey. So uh, mm. uh, j- like just outside of New York. So that's kind of a, a spot of contention. But Eddie Gavin, the guy with the poster of, he's like, it's, a, it's such an interesting person to put up there because he was like the second youngest person signed for MLS behind the infamous Freddie Adu, who, if you know anything about- Freddie Adu! Yeah. See? He's, he's from where I grew up. Is he he's really- from- He's from Montgomery County. Oh my god, I did not know that. Oh, cause he did he sign for DC United? He signed for DC United growing up. And so this guy is kind of like the Metro Stars who were DC United's rival at the time. I guess they're kind of rebuttal. In his second ever game. To be to be clear, Freddie Adu was born in Ghana, but then went to school in Rockville. Oh, okay, okay. I don't think I knew knew that. For those who don't know, he he was Freddie Adu was like the youngest MLS signee. was like really hyped up. And ended up essentially flaming out. The, the TLDRs essentially flamed out. And essentially, since then, American soccer fans who are interested in, in uh, like in, in young prospects are just burned. Anytime there's like a young kid who's like breaking through anywhere in the world who's American, they're like, no, 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 it's going to end up like Freddie Adu. Let me let me hold up. He's like become this cautionary tale. Interesting. I knew nothing about him. Yeah. Like to that level. Yeah, no. It, it's He was just like the famous person from the area. Because I played soccer around this time. And so he was big with like the, the young boy soccer teams. And Eddie Gavin, he's kind of infamous for, I mean, he played, he actually had a long career in MLS. But he's famous for in his second game, it's a Metro Stars DC United game. At the time, you were allowed a fourth substitution, but only for goalkeepers. So mm. what Bob Bradley, the coach, did is he had... The goalkeeper switched with a field player, like while on the field, and had that field player who was in goal switch with Eddie Gavin, so Eddie Gavin could come on and he'd get fresh legs. He played goalkeeper for ten seconds before switching back with Tim Howard, like taking off the gloves, putting on the jersey, and everything, and then going on to score the game-winning goal. And so they shut down that rule after that because That's of the loophole. Yeah, it's infamous in MLS and in and in the Red Bulls DC United rivalry. That's awesome. All right, Mark has allowed us to talk about sports for long enough. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. So sorry. But yes, 
So Sebastian is essentially <laughs> thrown into the situation full of testosterone and by Sebastian Viola, of course. Right. Who is like, it's wild where like she will shift the pitch of her voice randomly through the conversation, drift in and out of a Southern accent. You know, it, it's really, to me, I, I it, it really, this is such a good example of like, what I call how did they not catch you acting of like, you know, signaling to the audience, Hey, I'm slipping, but you know, any reasonable person on the, it, like in the, in the scene across them would be like, something's wrong here. You know, I think they would think like this person is weird, which the characters do, but it's kind of like Mark, we talked about on our princess switch episode where Fiona was like, how did they not realize that this is going on? And I was like, well, no rational person would think you've found someone who looks exactly like you and have switched positions and lives. Like, right, like it's such a bizarre idea that, like, why would they think for a long time I would be like, this person is really weird, not this person is a woman impersonating a man to like get revenge on her ex boyfriend's soccer team? You, you just accept people as weird and then move on. I don't think a lot of people are diving in deep, except for Malcolm, especially because, frankly, in a lot of cases, what happens is what happens, especially with teenagers. What happens is what Channing Tatum and his friends do in this movie, which is say, that guy's weird. Let's not spend time with him. <laughs> that That's so true to life, too. Because really, like, the second someone's, like, a little off, especially in high school, where it's all about, you know, fitting in and, and being part of the crowd, you go, no, I'm not going to deal with that person. It also speaks to something that Mark and I talk about a lot when we talk about these high school movies, which is that, like, outright, like, shoving someone into the locker bullying isn't that common. For the most part, when kids don't like someone, they just ignore them. Mm-hmm. Apathy. It's really apathy more than anything, like, than going out of your way to be mean. But so, yes. Yeah, so, so Sebastian Viola meets Duke because they are going to be roommates. And she's like, great, I'm going to use this to help get in with the soccer team. I like here, too. I mentioned the thing with the rivalry. The fact that, like, she is clearly a star at her school. We've been told that. We've seen her play. And here she's just not up at that level. Again, because this is one of those, like, pro-athlete sports factories masquerading as a school that are bad and should be banned Mm -hmm. but like i appreciate that dynamic between the schools i think it's more interesting than if it were just kind of the same thing you know i I, i'm glad you brought that up because i that hadn't really quite crossed my mind so i was kind of thinking like oh they really built her up as this star and then it kind of shows how she's not all that good you know i mean she's good enough to make the boys team second string which is more of an american concept than like i think a soccer concept but still yeah i don't know if cornwall is supposed to be like a sort of like standard fair private school or if it's supposed to be a public school Mm. but i think that's a fairly common thing i mean i used to teach at a school in florida like a, a, a catholic school and like once a season we would play against those sports factory schools down there and just get destroyed Mm. because that's what those people are doing all the time. That's fascinating. And it also makes sense too. Cause I think, you know, they talk about how Duke made Justin, her ex-boyfriend cry in a previous game, just because I assume, cause her ex-boyfriend's a goalie, Duke's a striker. And so he must've just scored goal after goal after goal, you know? So that really does make it sound like, Oh no, they're used to trouncing Cornwall. Illyria is used to trouncing Cornwall. So our other meet cute is with Olivia. Yes. Who is a real cutie. Yeah, and this happens after, you know, uh, Sebastian, quote unquote, has been called to the office to meet with Principal Horatio Gold. Great name. Played by David Cross, who does, I think, a fantastic job in the role. David Cross, mid-arrested development. Is it really in the middle of it? I don't think I re- realized yeah. the, the production time of this. But yeah, she she comes out of the office and bumps right into Viola. You know, Viola, Olivia, of course, impossible to get those confused ever. 
says everyone and and just has this like kind of sweet interaction especially viola thinks so because olivia doesn't act like other boys for obvious reasons right i mean the whole attraction that olivia feels for sebastian viola is like oh this dude doesn't behave like all the dumb sports dudes that i'm around all the time which makes for an especially interesting dynamic with the way that viola will constantly be reminded to play as a man like Someone will say, like, oh, that doesn't seem very masculine. And she'll drop her voice and, like, sexually harass somebody. Yeah. And Olivia's like, no, don't do that. You're more interesting when you're not doing that. I think that's such an interesting theme throughout. Because I think even for, in a way, Orsino's kind of tricked into doing that. Because he, he thinks, oh, he can kind of talk to Sebastian Viola. Just like any other one of the guys. And so, you know, Viola kind of starts to see his softer side. Whereas, like... If maybe he had just seen her out and about, not pretending to be a guy, like, would he have opened up like that? You know what I mean? And I think this show, this show, this movie, like, it, it, the way it kind of talks about how, like, men bringing out more of their feminine, quote unquote, side, the kind of more softer, emotional side, really makes them more attractive and almost ends up being vice versa in the end for Viola and Orsino. Yeah. So we've, we've uh, got a nice meeting there. We've got some nice uh, Pepsi Frito-Lay product placement. <laughs> She oh, drinks yes. Pepsi a bunch, which makes me judge her. Mandatory. He's got those, like, stack tubes of Lay's when they were trying to muscle in on Pringles territory on his desk. Their potato product. Those are such, like, 2006 product placement, too. Speaking of. Yeah. But, yeah, so then uh, point number three, I guess, is is going to be in part our time at the, at the fair and some of the dates they go on. Oh, in here, by the way, uh, Sebastian comes to be perceived as cool because he gets... Mark, what's your guy's name? Paul. Paul, right. She gets Paul to arrange for women to come and flirt with her as Sebastian to make her seem well, cool they're so her she two... can get in with the guys. Sorry, they're her two soccer friends from the beginning. Okay, I had forgotten that they were there early. Tia and Yvonne, they're real <laughs> homies. Of course. For, for letting her I thought that. they were just like people on his like weird Rolodex <laughs> that he could call on. Nah, they're her soccer friends from before. Yep, yep. Also, I don't know why they didn't just call him Antonio. I mean... I feel like that would have worked too. I, I don't know. Because his name, full name is Paul Antonio after the ship captain Antonio. But whatever. Yeah, those they're some really, really good friends. But yeah, essentially, you know, Sebastian becomes really cool after this moment. And what we enter is what I call point three, the love geometry. Because I wanted to call it a triangle. But in a way, it's kind of a square because it's like... It's more it, of a polygon. Yeah. Like, and it, then, it's a, then it's a pentagon, maybe, because if you include Monique, who keeps trying to get with Sebastian, like, there's so much going on. But it's, like, closer to a love pentagram because the lines are crisscrossing in more ways. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so things just continue. You to, almost to, need three-dimensional. Oh, yeah. You need, you, need, uh, you need a nice, like, D&D die set to really figure it out. It's a love dodecahedron. <laughs> oh, I didn't even include Malcolm because Malcolm's involved. And so he's is, a part of it. What's her name? Um, Monique. Mo- Monique. But the girl with the braces as well. Justin. Justin. Eunice. Eunice. I mean, there's just so many interested parties involved that it, it, it's, it, it becomes this interesting array. It's almost kaleidoscopic. But the point just being that multiple relationships begin at this point, And that's Viola. Uh, no, Olivia. Oh, my God. See, I, I earlier said it. Begins. <laughs> These names are terrible. Oh, my God. She, I, Somebody call up Billy Shakes. Tell him, you gotta change it. 
character names can't have the same sounds. You you did it wrong. Same sounds, same letters, just a different order. Like, just do do. Please help me out here. It's hard enough. There's like that basic screenwriting rule of like character names should start with different letters. And in this movie, you're like Shakespeare. Like, fine, you technically followed the rule, but it feels like you deliberately misunderstood it. <laughs> Like oh, I need to start the. I'll just make it Viola. Ooh, because they also have Orsino too, beginning with the O. Yeah, it's bad news. I think this guy he doesn't know what he's doing, and he shouldn't write any more movies. Yeah, really, just honestly, (laughs) just he should he should probably just become like a a producer. Just let 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 the real pros do it. What I'm going to tell him is like maybe he should retire back to his hometown with Judy Dench. And let Candace Branagh make a movie about it. <laughs> yeah, can't go can't go wrong there. But yeah, so so in this part, in this this love uh, geometry, Sebastian is beginning to spend more time with Orsino, who's decided to help Sebastian because suddenly Sebastian's cool, getting to become a what, what they say a first stringer, but a starter. Right. So the deal the deal is that Channing Tatum will train Amanda Bynes to become better at soccer, and in exchange, she will get Olivia to go out with him. Why do I get the feeling you don't do this very often? Man, I just, I'm not really good at talking to girls. Why? You're hot. What? You're an appealing guy, man. Guy, guy, man. Look, I I don't know. I just always say the wrong, I just always say the wrong thing. Okay. All right, come on. Let's get up. I want to try something where I'm going to act like a girl and you're going to talk to me, okay? Ew, do, do I have to? Yes, because I'm Viola. Duke, nice to meet you. Okay, that was creepy. You really just sounded like a girl just then. I used to imitate my sister all the time. Oh, and, and because she's our lab partners. Yeah, exactly. So she's in a way like now spending all this time with both of them and their relationship begins to develop because of that. And it's so funny because it's so obvious that like Viola tries to be nicer and say, I don't think y'all two are going to work because it's obvious that Olivia is not interested. Mark, did you have a favorite like date interaction between all these people? Uh, mostly when Eunice was on screen. <laughs> like the, this is... the double date with Eunice. So Eunice has braces horrifying. and headgear. <laughs> yeah. And they go on this date where at that point, Channing Tatum has also met Amanda Bynes as herself, as Viola. He's met both. Oh, yes. At the state fair where she's pretending to be both and constantly changes. And I don't really understand why she didn't just have Sebastian be the bad son who didn't show up. Who doesn't show up. Yeah. Yeah. And just be the good daughter. I don't understand why she didn't just do that. But it was a lot of fun to see her change in the like teacup world, either world thing. I think you just answered your own question there, Caleb. (laughs) That is why they did it. You know, Mark, I thought about Gary Marshall watching this because this is a real, I always think it's lucky to have stilts in the movie (laughs) kind of movie. They did have stilts. I thought you were going to say this is a little engine that could or Cinderella. This is a Cinderella. This is a Cinderella. Okay. But yeah, so at the fair, she winds up having to work the kissing booth. And so as herself, she kisses Duke. And they're both kind of interested in that in a way they hadn't been as interested before. Although she had been kind of interested. You see her looking at his bare chest a lot. Well, I mean, we all are. Yes. (laughs) He is shirtless Um, through most of the movie. (laughs) But so then after that, he tells Sebastian, who is also Amanda Bynes, like, hey, I'd kind of like to ask out your sister. And he was ready to go for that. Except then Olivia decides that the way to get Sebastian's attention is to date another dude. So she goes and asks out Channing Tatum. To make him jealous, right? To make Sebastian Mm -hmm. jealous. 
So they go on this date, which is what Mark loved, which is this like horrendous double date. Oh, it's so uncomfortable because basically I think Sebastian slash Viola takes Eunice as the first available option. And Eunice is just like the most quintessential stereotypical over eager nerd girl with a sexual undertone of this era immediately smitten with whoever she is talking to it is amazing how quickly she'll switch between duke orsino and sebastian just whoever's near well look cheese is one of her favorite animal byproducts oh Uh, so the the date ends disastrously as you can imagine and i mean so this is kind of what sebastian comes back right Yes, so the real Sebastian comes back from England a day earlier than planned. And just, like, he comes back a day earlier and then just goes to this school that he has never attended. But I think this is point four, right? It is, it is. You perfectly brought me into it. Things get complicated. Sebastian arrives. That's my point four. Sebastian! Uh, Are you okay? No, Olivia, not now. Why don't you try to tell me again how there's nothing going on between you and Olivia? There is nothing going on! between me and Olivia. What about last night? I didn't lie to you, Duke. I did, but not about this. Here's the truth. I love you. I beg your pardon? What? All right, what are you, that's just a little weird. Yeah. Okay, you know what, I can't do this anymore. Everybody, I have something to tell you. I'm not Sebastian. I'm Viola. Things get complicated is one way to put pantsing a student in front of the entire school. I, the, the uh, kind of just uh, odd, he pants things himself. that happen in this. He has basically asked to pants himself. Pretty much. Prove well, it. Yes. I would say there is like actual administrative pressure on him to pants himself. Whereas like Amanda Bynes chooses to flash her boobs. That is true. That is true. Him, but the willingness him. for both of them to do it. Is fascinating to me. And are they technically minors? Aren't there like, aren't, aren't there some issues here? I mean, not that this movie cares about legality or anything. My assumption is that they are 18 year old seniors. And the reason for that assumption is that Sebastian is able to fly internationally without his parents knowing. You know, and if they're twins, then okay, that would make sense. And especially if she's like, because there's talk at the beginning of the movie that she's looking to get scouted, you know, to go to a really good college program. That track. But this is also that track. It's late for her to be scouted if she's a senior. That is true. That is true. After just finishing Friday Night Lights, junior year. That should have happened already. Yeah, yeah. But also, it's weird that in this movie, a boy's parents watch him share his dong with the world, and their reactions are like, heck yeah, that's my big dick kid. (laughs) I love my son and his big old penis. "Ah, That's what makes him mine. Takes it after his father. It's a very weird moment. It really is. Honestly, both both flashing moments really are. Yeah, but the reaction to the penis is it's much, much more stronger. Yeah, it is much more like yeah, how do it's you kiss a on? lot. It re- really, and that's just one example of Sebastian's behavior just being really kind of odd. He like shows a, a girl kisses him. He's like, sure. He's a weird guy. It's so weird how that kiss is staged because it's Olivia is like, heck yes. Now Sebastian knows that I'm into him. She's talking like Amanda Bynes, Sebastian. And she sees the real Sebastian getting out of a cab. And the whole scene has to be staged so that she can make out with him, profess her love, and never see his face. And, like, they do block it in a way where that is credible, but it's still very weird. She just rushes up, doesn't even take time to look at him. Like, kisses him, then leans her head over his shoulder, says, like, 
it's you that I'm in love with, and then runs away. At least Duke Orsino, who's watching, is at a distance. So there's at least, like, you know, that's a more of a blurry figure. Okay, it looks like it has to be Sebastian. You know, there's no way it couldn't be. Uh, but Sebastian shows up, so then, like, he sleeps in his his dorm room that he has never visited but like congrats on congrats on finding it like where did he get a key to any of this who, who showed him anywhere how do you know which room was i have his? a lot of questions about the functioning of these schools but anyway he then is like brought to play in the soccer game and meanwhile like other people involved in all this malcolm and monique like are doing their own investigation into like oh my gosh they're twins and that's why they pants him in front of the field to like reveal to everyone that it's a woman but it's it's the actual Sebastian, so he's got a big old dick. And to kind of like the point of like the importance of that kiss, that's kind of the the inciting incident for what kind of follows with the falling out between Olivia, not Olivia, yes, Olivia Sebastian, no, Viola Sebastian, between Viola and Orsino. You know what I mean? Because it's it's like it feels like it must have just been like an hour before the real Sebastian shows up that Viola leaves and is essentially kicked out of the room by Duke Orsino. Causing her to spend the night at Eunice's? Yeah. Um, and Eunice, I think, just watches her sleep all night. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't seem to have a roommate. No. Yeah, that's right. Because the other bed is unmade. And she wakes up and Eunice has the cupcake for breakfast. Cupcake? When Eunice offers to let Sebastian, Sebastian Viola, Amanda Bynes, spend the night, she says, I've never had a roommate before. Which I assume is like some kind of like medical exemption. Oh, that yeah. would make sense. That makes sense. I assume Eunice is there as part of the, like, I'm making this this up, but, like, 15% students there who don't play sports that they have to keep to, like, maintain some kind of state subsidy. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, they have to have a high enough GPA for certain things, you know. Yeah. High enough, test high enough average GPA to stay accredited. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I kind of get the feeling, like, unless Olivia plays, no, yes, Olivia, it's, I'm, every time I say Viola Olivia, I'm going to be doing that. Unless Olivia also plays a sport, Olivia might also be in that group of People who are just there to... I think Olivia, like, plays field hockey, but has, like, a balanced life. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> I think we have hit the soccer game. In yes, which we have. The penis is flashed. The penis is flashed, and then they swap at halftime, and so then she's playing again. And the reveal comes out again. She, like, flashes her boobs. They decide that she can play. And so she plays the game, but Channing Tatum still feels betrayed, not because... Sebastian got with the girl he liked, but because this person had been lying to him all the time. Yeah. Right. Though, funnily enough, Olivia doesn't seem to have that. I mean, granted, Sebastian, the real Sebastian, is the one who lied to her. Right. Olivia just immediately is like, well, I'll date the real Sebastian, who I know nothing about and is a very different person. Uh, only that. Except, he wrote those I guess. Lyrics. I mean, she fell. Yeah, she fell in love with his lyrics. I kind of buy her giving him a chance. Because he, he yeah, did nothing I mean, wrong. It's fine. It's just a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, so it is, I, I appreciate, I, in a way, I kind of appreciate the neatness of that. Granted, that is kind of how it goes in. Honestly, I actually really appreciate how the movie kind of complicates the play Twelfth Night. Because in Twelfth Night, the play, Arsenal was just like, hey, just pre- don't pretend to be a man again and we're good. You know, like, let's just get married. Everything's fine just right away. Granted, that play is like three hours long. So, like, I- I'm good not having to have him deal with it. But it's nice to see the movie kind of have to contend with. No, she lied to him for, okay, weeks in, in the movie. And uh, a- and he's like, um, everything I thought might- is true isn't. And so so there there really does continue to be this sort of lack of trust in the relationship, which I think maybe as we've discussed before, trust, number one thing you need in a relationship. But I think this gets us to point number five, which is the debutante ball and reconciliation. So what? Uh- brings you here 
Well, a few days ago, I kissed this girl at a kissing booth. And now, I just can't seem to stop thinking about it. Neither can she. Plus, I miss my roommate. <laughs> I really liked him. Of course, it's the debutante the ball. The debutante ball. Um, which I remember once saying to somebody when they were discussing debutante balls. I don't remember how it came up, but I was like, oh, yeah, that was kind of the thing people with money did in my in my town. And, and the person responded, oh, no, I had one. No. And it wasn't until later that I realized I wasn't wrong. That person just didn't realize they had money. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Yeah, that tracks. I had it in my head for a long time that they were very much a thing of the past, but uh, we all know a person. <laughs> also, honestly, it's probably more popular with families that used to have money. Mm-hmm. as a way of clinging to social class that they no longer have claim to. Interesting. I think Cotillion is kind of like that, too. Uh, yeah, that's more Cotillion. I think you have to have money to pay for the debutante. Yeah. But this is also a deep sociological dive into American culture that can probably happen on a different podcast much more <laughs> informedly. Yeah, fair enough. That's absolutely totally fair. So, yeah, no, the, the point number five is just that... Um, at the debutante ball, of course, there's this constant tension. There's this constant, constant tension in Viola, like her mom wanted to be more ladylike. And she just admits, okay, I'll go to the debutante ball. But now she doesn't have a date. She really wants to go with Arsino. And I think, who is, is she the one who invites? It's all a blur in my head right now. She sends him a wheel of cheese and an invitation. Because he, he never yeah. didn't know what to talk to girls about. So it was like, well, ask about cheese. Why not? Right, her advice was like, talk about anything. It doesn't matter. Just have a conversation. So she sends an invite, hopes he comes. She doesn't really want to do it. Paul Antonio offers to do it. Paul, good dude. Weird dude. Good Good dude. dude. Good friend. She ends up going for a walk, ends up seeing a figure in the dark, you know, ask what took him so long. Turns out to be the landscaper. But lo and behold, Duke Orsino in a tux with peak lapels, looking great. And I think, you know, actually surprisingly not too dated look, maybe a little long, but still looks great, is there to, to whisk off her feet and, 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 and realizes that it's time to work on their on their relationship and maybe they could give the, the relationship a shot. And all are happy. Okay, rapid fire questions. Do we find the romance believable? No, uh, this movie's ridiculous. No, <laughs> it's inherently ridiculous. Doesn't need to be believable. No, I completely agree. And and you know me, I'm one who usually say, yes, I believe this relationship, you know, given the world that that if there's magic, sure, why not? But this one, I don't I don't believe this relationship at all. I don't see them overcoming the trust. All right, Caleb, zero out of 10. Where do you rate the believability? I would give it a uh, a three and only because I would only give it that high because I do think there is a truth to the fact that like if men are more vulnerable, that there is a more sort of like. I don't know. I think that leads to longer term relationships, you know, in this sort of kind of traditional, quote unquote, you know, stereotypical way that, you know, if men can learn to be more more vulnerable, more communicative, that can lead longer relationship. But the rest of it, I just don't see happening. I'm sorry. Right. Counterpoint to all of that. I don't believe that Duke is cool with everything that went down. Completely agree. No yeah. way. No way. Mark, what do you think? I I was going for a two. I was also going for a two. Do you find any of the romantic leads, of which there are several, dateable? I think Olivia is the clearly standout. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I think I think so too. I agree. Everyone Olivia likes sports so much in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> everyone cares about sports so much. So I don't know if Eunice me, cares a ton. Kind like, of Eunice, a no. th- Eunice thinks athletes are hot, but yeah, I don't think she cares about sports. Um, do you think that any of 
or I guess this actually does lead to the next question. If you had to pick one person in this movie to date, who would you choose? It is not Eunice for me. <laughs> I do want to know who your pick is, Mark. Um, probably Olivia. Um, Sebastian's way too much of a wild child for me. Everyone else cares so much about sports. And then both of her parents are terrible. And Paul's kind of weird for hanging out with high schoolers when he has a job. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Olivia. I think it's Olivia for me, too. She seems I would probably pick Principal Horatio Gold. I think he's caring. <laughs> he's kind. He's he's funny. He really is comforting. wants to make people feel welcome. He pressures a student into revealing himself on field. <laughs> Yeah, that's a problem. I do love the moment when he goes up to Sebastian and is reassuring him about his male pattern baldness because he has recognized that Amanda Bynes is wearing a wig. <laughs> that was very, very fun. I, I just think that he's so nice. Do you think that any of the couples stay together? I mean, they're all in high school. <laughs> See, that's the thing. No, I don't mean high school. I, look, so inherently, no. <laughs> if you can get over your girlfriend pretending to be a man for a while and lying to you, you can probably get through anything. So maybe, but they're in high school. And so I just don't see it in the car. I'm, I'm smelling some turkey drops. I think they are the couple with the greatest shot of going the distance, but I still don't think it's going to go on. Um, now, Caleb, should there be a She's the Man musical? I actually think 100% yes. And I actually think it will work better as a musical than as a movie, funnily enough. I think, oh. I think the sort of gender switch convention works better in theater which i consider more poetic space and if it's already a musical there's spectacle things like that i think the soccer game will be tricky to choreograph but i think it's doable i actually think it'll work better as a musical than a movie Hmm. mark what do you think i don't know now i was leaning towards no but i may have been convinced i'm compelled by caleb's argument me too i've never been more proud a twist All right, I think that's about it for She's the Man and about a million other things. Caleb, thank you so much for joining us uh, because it's the only way I would ever talk about sports on this podcast. Absolutely my (laughs) pleasure. (laughs) Next week is our annual Oscars special where we will be discussing the romance of 10, count them, 10 movies. Otherwise known as Sports for Will, I had watched every one of the nominees before nomination day. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions and movies suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts to help other people find the show. All right, last question. What is the best piece of dating advice we got from She's the Man? I mean, Caleb kind of talked about it earlier. Yeah, I mean, that's the number one dating advice is like, escape the prison of masculinity. <laughs> yeah, be open about your feelings. <laughs> Yeah, I really think that's it. I mean, that that is what the movie's all about. So I think we just have to say, like, that's what it is. Also... I'm good with that. Also, cheese. Talk about cheese. Uh, there you go. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye! Bye. Bye. Let the rain